Donald Trump never ceases to amaze. He said something about Vladimir Putin and then almost immediately walked it back. We're going to have to look at that. Also, an actual tweet. An actual tweet. I'm going to read it verbatim to you. In regards to Kim Jong-un. It's crazy. There's also a lot of allegations being lobbed towards Roy Moore and a lot of criticism going towards GOP people who are, quote, defending him. So we'll look at that, too. And, of course, Veterans Day was over the weekend, so we have to talk a little bit about those that have served us. All this and a little more coming up. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, November 13th, 2017. And yes, it is another edition of the Fritzcast. Another week. It's And, and, and brilliantly, uh, miraculously, uh, uh, call it an early Christmas gift, and I have something to say about that, too. I was not froze last night, which, uh, d- d- stroke of luck, stroke of impossibility. If you had asked me, I, I was surely doomed last night. I'm doomed for sure tonight. And I'll probably pay for it tenfold because I can already feel sickness settling into me. I have a very busy week this week. Coming up, I got a couple overtimes Wednesday and Thursday. I have an interview on Wednesday. Ooh, interview. What's what's going on? What are you interviewing for? Eh, it's just a, you know, you know it's just a... You know, small, you know, promotional opportunity at work, you know, and I don't want to talk about it too much. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that if it becomes something. But I don't like to get my hopes up, if you know what I mean. So, the Wednesday's probably the big focus day, just because that's, I have the interview, and I've been preparing my interview packets. I hate interviews. I hate those interviews at, at work. Because law enforcement type interviews is generally a panel. It's a, and generally it's a panel and generally it's very formal and structured. And I hate interviews like that. I don't really think that you get anything out of interviewing somebody with dull policy questions and maybe a dull scenario question. It's been so long since I've had a normal sit-down interview that whenever that time comes, whenever the time comes to sit down and have a normal conversation interview with somebody somewhere. I'm going to be I'm going to be miffed by that. I'm going to be freaked out. I'm going to be like why aren't there seven more people here all staring at me with pieces of paper in front of them scribbling and jotting down notes. That doesn't make any sense. And when I said that, when I just explained that, half of you went that doesn't make any sense. That's the interview panels for uh, you know, that's what I've had to sit through to get, you know, sergeant and that's what I had to do to get the job, sit in front of a panel of higher-ups as they read questions from a paper and jot down and scribble down what you're saying uh, because you don't want to talk too fast. You're, you're caught between this awkward, oh, am I talking too fast? Am, am I going too fast for them? Do I need to slow down? 
So as they're writing, as you're giving your answer, you kind of stop and you're like, you do, do, do you guys need time? You need me to slow down? You need me to stop? Am I giving you the best answers ever? Uh, have you written this much for any of the other candidates? I bet you haven't. That's a sign. That's a good thing. That's It's so freaking awkward. And I hate the panel interviews. But whenever I go for a normal interview, when, when the boss or the guy, recruiter, whatever, sits me down and starts talking and says, hey, so... You know, what What have you done for a living up till now? I'm going to be like, uh, that's policy 4.92, uh, uh, which uh, talks about X, Y, and Z. It's going to be so weird. I myself look forward to it. Uh, <laughs> so that's my big focus this week, uh, but I have an overtime that day on top of it, so I'll be reporting to work in my formal, in my formal class A's, dragging my class B's in. Or my class C's, whatever it is. I don't know. There's too many freaking uniforms anymore to keep track of them. Anyway, that'll be an overtime. Thursday's an overtime to avoid getting a freeze into my weekend. And uh, Friday, if you've read my blog at fritzcast.wordpress.com, cheap plug, you would have known already that I've been having trouble with home appliances, namely my washing machines. And I'm having, me and my wife are having a, a bad stroke of luck when it comes to the washing machines. And if you can't hear the aggravation in my voice, let's just, you know, to, to drag it out. Read the article and you'll, you'll figure out it's been like a freaking month and a half practically without a washer. Friday, the guy's supposed to come because the parts that he ordered to fix the damn thing, which is brand new, by the way. Brand new! And it didn't freaking work the parts that he ordered arrived the other day so I am on standby calling but if I'm getting froze tonight and they want to come tomorrow I'm dead I'm sorry I'm dead can't can't help you I'm dead that's if I get froze tonight which is a good fair chance unless I call in and work noon to 4pm and then 4pm to midnight so maybe I'll do that I don't know We'll figure it out, but by the end of the week, my washer should be fixed. Uh, my wife and I finished our sink in the kitchen, so now it's not being problematic anymore. And, oh, and we painted my living room, which we've hit the we've hit the peak of adulthood here. We were excited to paint a room, and actually, we really like the results. It looks really good, and the, the room... Definitely, it, it's shed from its creamy white walls, and now it's a nice gray. It's a nice light gray color, and it pops against the white moldings and all that. It is great. It's great. I got excited about painting a room and how the room looks with new paint. That's the that's the peak of adulthood, if I ever had a peak of adulthood. It's crazy. And we had the help of Jay, Sean, and Luther, and also alcoholic beverages. Which somehow kept us on task and kept us painting. I, I was buzzed putting the painter's tape on the molding and stuff, and it helped me put it down just, you know, just right. I don't know why that happened while I was tipsy, but it did. It gave me focus. I don't have a problem. And this is just the mode that I've been in, trying to grind it out in a couple of weeks vacation comes and when vacation comes just be advised for a two week block possibly a three week block there will be no 
you know, Fritzcast. It'll be on, you know, hiatus. We'll call it winter break. And I'll stick to blog posts, maybe a couple short video snippets, because I, I know I've said a thousand times I'm working on the YouTube channel. It's hard. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff to do. And I haven't got to it yet. It's as simple as that. I'd like, for example, this past week, I finally finished reading The Last Full Measure by Jeff Shara. It took me only like, you know, two and a half months to read it or whatever. <laughs> Some people burn through books in a week. Me, it's like, uh, you know, after a month or two, I'm like, yeah, I finished that book and uh, man, it was great. And people are like, it took you two months. Are you sure it was that great? Yeah, it was great. I, I, I take my time to read stuff people. Jesus. Now, uh, one of the things I forgot to mention in the intro, too, that we gotta go over, I didn't, it didn't even catch me that hardcore, uh, because I had no, I had nothing to worry about this year election-wise in Delaware. Nothing to worry about. And I, you know, I seemingly forgot there's elections going on elsewhere in the nation, and uh, some telling things happened over the course of uh, that election uh, period, over over this past course of election period, that kind of ties into the Roy Moore thing, because Roy Moore is currently running uh, for something, a special election coming up that Roy Moore is participating in, which links all this stuff together. So first, I want to go over these election results from last week. That I didn't even cover. We didn't have coverage for it up up till that because it literally didn't even phase me that there were special elections going on. Well, not even special elections. Most of it wasn't special elections. But just uh, for example, real quick. For example, New Jersey had the governor's race, uh, which Philip Murphy, Democrat, beat out Kim Guadango who was uh, lieutenant governor under, under Chris Christie. That was, you, you didn't stand a chance if you were working for Christie uh, winning in in New Jersey. Philip Murphy gained, uh, let's see, gained 1,165,001 votes, and Kim didn't crack uh, a million. And uh, a lot of the state Senate and state assembly went uh, to the Democrats, uh, not surprising in New Jersey, uh, to say the least. Uh, in Utah, it was uh, a race to fill Jason Chaffetz's uh, seat, which was taken over by a Republican, John Curtis, uh, who outperformed all other parties running. And again, not surprising, Utah being a red state, not not. Surprising. What what was surprising was Virginia, which uh, the New York Times is reporting that uh, the Virginia race. I actually just I'll read you the snippet. Virginia's vote. Virginians voted in a race for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and the state legislature on Tuesday. The state's 100 House of Delegates races represent the purest test of grassroots anger at the president. Election analysts speculate, and that is because the candidates are little known to voters, largely absent from TV ads, and the races approximate a generic partisan ballot. 
If the past is a guide, they may also prefigure nationwide congressional voting in 2018. A.K.A. people were looking at Virginia and Virginia's results uh, because of how obscure it was and it was kind of like a pure testing ground so to speak i'm going to i'm going to go off on a limb and speculate and say virginia is not a pure testing ground for it i'm going to say that it is not a solid red or a solid blue state it's not more hard right or hard left it is literally teetering on a balance right now and that's what the election results would have you believe uh their governor's race was relatively close. When I go over the numbers, it's not going to sound close. If I tell you the guy won 53.9% to 45%, it doesn't sound that close of a race. However, we give you the numbers. I give you that Ralph Northman, the Democrat running for governor, won 1,405,041 votes. And Ed Galepsi, the Republican, won 1,173,326 votes. Now we have a, a bigger picture of how it was only roughly 200,000, 300,000 people that voted more in terms of the Democrat. And in fact, when you look at the county map of Virginia, it it starts in the lower left corner of Virginia as dark red, then slight light red, and then splotches of very light blue in all the other counties. Which paints a good picture. The lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, Democrat, wins 52.7% of the vote to Jill Vogel's 47.3% of the vote. But the tally breakdown again, 1,362 thousand and eighty votes for Justin Fairfax and then one million two hundred and twenty two thousand four hundred and thirty three votes for Jill Vogel uh, th that's even a less of a gap to fill there Attorney General much the same you have Mark Herring Democrat who is also the incumbent winning fifty three point three percent to forty six point seven percent one million three hundred seventy nine thousand. 686 votes to 1,211,135 votes. Very small gaps and margins here. Uh, not a lot, not, not, not a landslide to say the least. And then the House of Delegates, uh, a sweep of, a, a fair mix of, of Democrat and Republican. A uh, hundred seats voting a hundred seats that people voted for, and the Democrats have 48 seats. They added 14 seats, so they did sweep it away from the Republicans, but it's 48 seats in their House of Delegates to 47 seats. That is, uh, th that's a very telling picture in the Virginia race and something that they're, you know, they're, they're wondering if it's going to apply more massively for the nation come 2018 because this next year coming up is that midterm elections thing because we'll be hitting two, year, two years of President Donald Trump. 
which is crazy. So Virginia, a very interesting look, and I think a very interesting reflection of, of where we actually stand with things. New York results we don't even really have to go over. Uh, Bill de Blasio won re-election for his second term as New York City mayor as if they are a big deal, as if New York City is a big deal, and a lot's going well for New York City. It's not, but uh, much, much the short story, Bill de Blasio swept that, and um, ballot measures, they voted on some ballot measures in, uh, in New York about like holding a convention to explore proposals for revisions or amendments to the state constitution, which was voted way, 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 way down, way, 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 way down. And Constitutional Amendment number 2, uh, pension reform, which would allow judges to reduce or strip the state pension of elected officials convicted of felonies related to their duties, which overwhelmingly won with a yes with over 2 million votes, 72.9% of the vote, which isn't actually a bad idea if you think about it. It, it incentivizes being a good and not corrupt leader, the fact that you could possibly lose your pension. Uh, th- there is the whole bit where I'm saying elected officials shouldn't get any perks like that whatsoever because that way people who truly want to run would run and get those positions, not not what we have right now. They voted on one other ballot measure for uh, land use in the Adirondacks, uh, but not really important to look at in the interim anyway. The New York City Council is uh, exclusively Democrats in their in their races, at least anyway. Yeah, exclusively Democrats. District Attorney, de- Democrats, uh, County Executive. There's a couple Republicans in there. Uh, mayor of most of the other counties like Albany, Bing- Binghamton, Buffalo, Rochester. Uh, most of those Democrats won. One Republican. One Republican. Uh, but that's uh, again, that's not surprising results. Maine had uh, a special election, not not really of significance nationally. Uh, and then Ohio had a ballot issue of capping state agency drug costs. Kind of interesting. Um, it was a measure that would have capped the price of prescription drugs purchased by the state government, including Medicaid. Um, but it drew strong resistance from drug makers. No, they spent more than forty-nine million, nearly fifty million dollars, trying to kill it. And the last time a measure came up like this was in California, similar to this Ohio bid, and they spent more than a hundred million dollars to shoot it down. Why? Because the drug companies have money and interest in that kind of stuff. Yet the numbers that voted it down uh, were astronomical. Uh, so take take what you will for that. Now I want to move on to Roy Moore, and this ties into a lot of what's been going on. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, of course, laundry list of allegations from people that he abused, sexual se- sexual abuse or sexual misconduct from Harvey Weinstein, sexual assault. That's the word I was looking for. So Har- Harvey Weinstein had had a slew of that, ruined his reputation and career. Uh, probably rightly so, because uh, he's a dirtbag, right? And then uh, Kevin Spacey, actor comes out, says Kevin Spacey 
did some things to him back in the 80s, back when the kid was 14 and Spacey was 26. So we have pedophilia in the mix as well for Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's career is now ruined off of that one single allegation. There's been you know a couple other Hollywood people that have been singled out by uh, by by women or men. In some cases, Kevin Spacey was a man who came out and said Kevin Spacey did this. What did Kevin Spacey do? He came out with a giant letter saying, "Oh, I don't remember that. I must have been drunk." By the way, I'm gay. So, so that's what that 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 was Spacey's response on Twitter. Took a lot of flack for that. Took a lot of flack for that because especially he didn't deny it. He just said it must have been a drunken mistake, and uh, you know. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I, I I feel terrible if it truly did cause strife in your life, and I choose to be a gay man. So what exactly, what, what were the allegations that came out against Roy Moore, a, a man who caught flack for pulling a gun out of his, uh, out of his vest or out of his pocket uh, during a rally to talk about how he was pro-Second Amendment, how he didn't need the NRA's endorsement to prove that, and all that, uh, Roy Moore had, uh, these were the allegations made. All right, the highlight focus is a, uh, a woman who was, uh, Lee Korfman, who was 14 and alleges that an older man approached her outside a courtroom in Alabama. She was sitting on a wooden bench with her mother. They both recall when the man introduced himself as Roy Moore. It was early 1979 and Moore was a 32-year-old assistant district attorney. Struck up a conversation, Korfman and her mother say, and offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a child custody hearing. Roy Moore said, they allege that he said, oh, you don't want her to go in there and hear all that. I'll stay out here with her, says Korfman. Says Korfman's mother, Nancy Wells, who's 71 years old right now, um... She says, quote, I thought how nice for him to want to take care of my little girl. Alone with Korfman, Moore chatted with her and asked for her phone number, she says. Days later, she says, he picked her up around the corner from her house in Gadsden, drove her about 30 minutes to his home in the woods, told her how pretty she was, and kissed her. Uh, On a second visit, she says, he took off her shirt and pants and removed his clothes. He touched her over her bra and underpants, she says, and guided her hand to touch him over his underwear. Um, she remembers thinking, quote, I wanted it over with. I want it out. Uh, please just get this over with. Whatever this is, just get over with it. She, uh, Corfman said she asked Moore to take her home, and he didn't. Uh, two of Corfman's childhood friends says she told him at the time she was seeing an older man, and one says Corfman identified the man as Moore. So this sparked from this incident. A 14-year-old girl, a 32-year-old man, which is, of course, forbidden, taboo, no, no, you don't do that. A smart man doesn't do it anyway. And a decent, a decent moral person doesn't do it anyway. We're not going to go into victim-blaming here. We're not going to point fingers. I will say that uh, maybe the 80s or the 70s, maybe the late 70s, early 80s was a different time period. But I can tell you, 
uh, district attorney or not, if I'm in the courtroom with my child, 14 years old or whatever, I'm not leaving them with anybody that I don't actually know. I'm not leaving it with somebody who just walks up and introduces them. But again, maybe that's victim-blaming. Maybe that's too much speculation. Maybe I'm thinking too much in a 2017 mind and not a 1979 mind. I don't know. Uh, The article goes on to state, uh, aside from Korfman, three other women interviewed by the Washington Post in recent weeks say more pursued them when they were between the ages of 16 and 18. Now, 18's out of the question. Uh, 18, you're an adult. That is what it is. That doesn't mean that somebody can make sexual advances at you and it be okay. It's not. But you're 18, you're an adult, and you're expected to have some responsibility and some back-off power. So hopefully at 18, you're not pursuing those things, and then they're just not liking the outcomes, as they say now. We can talk about how this story is conveniently popping off you know, right before an election period. The, the special election is uh, taking place in December. It's Roy Moore versus uh, Doug Jones, I want to say. Democrat, Democrat Doug, Doug Jones. All right, now, Moore has denied these allegations that he had sexual contact with a 14-year-old when he would have been reportedly 32 years old. Um, the other three women who said Moore attempted to court them during the same time period when they were between 16 and 18 years old, he's denying all these. Um... He did not deny, however, that he may have dated teenage women at that point in his life. So that's a little bizarre that you would say, oh, well, I, I, I dated teenage women at that time, but I didn't, definitely not 14-year-olds or 15-year-olds or 16-year-olds. They were of age, you know, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, not younger, though. Uh, a little bizarre. Now, here's a little snippet from Tammy Baldwin with uh, Chris Cuomo that I want you to listen to. Well, I believe the women who were uh, reluctantly uh, involved in the story that the Washington Post released recently. Uh, it seems to be a very carefully uh, researched story. And I sometimes wonder how much does it take for people to believe women in these instances. Um, I think the people of Alabama have a better choice. Uh, Doug Jones is a uh, a prosecutor, a law and order candidate, and I hope that the people of Alabama uh, take this reporting seriously and make the right choice on Election Day in December. What about the defenses of Roy Moore that this happened a million years ago, nobody ever came forward, he's been in tons of elections, he's been vetted, he's been highly controversial, he certainly has his critics, uh, and that This never came up until right now, right before the election. Well, I would say a number of things. First of all, the reporting was very careful in terms of uh, interviewing corroborating witnesses um, for individuals who weren't uh, uh, in contact with one another. um, And they were reluctant at first. They weren't sure they wanted to actually uh, talk with the Washington Post, but ultimately decided to perhaps Um, uh, bolstered uh, by the many people who are finding the courage to bravely speak out now about things that did happen some time ago. We're talking about powerful men. Uh, We're talking about uh, something that has been fairly rampant and right now we're seeing a lot of folks find their voice and speak out. What do you make of uh, the Republican response of many lawmakers that 
if the allegations are true, he should resign. Is that a good enough, strong enough statement for you? I don't, I don't think so. Some of my Republican colleagues have said they've read carefully the story, they find it persuasive, and they don't find mm -hmm. the denials as persuasive, and they've been clear about that. But many of my Republican colleagues, as you've noted, have said, if true, as though there were about to be a trial uh, beyond what we're seeing in the newspapers. I, I read the story carefully. I listened to uh, the um, response from uh, Roy Moore, and I believe the women. Now, now there's an interesting angle to be had there in, in this whole discussion of things. Because if you think about it, Harvey Weinstein, he has a, a, a massive list of allegations. It makes sense. He's a strong, powerful man in Hollywood. It's not that far off of a, of a narrative that makes sense. And at the end of the day, he's a sleazeball and nobody cares about Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Kevin Spacey, out of left field, but completely unknown. Eh, I don't know about that. Hollywood has this thing about joking about things and, and subtle hints and joking and poking and prodding about those things that have been going on for forever. You know, Family Guy, for example. Seth MacFarlane, who uh, has no fear in jabbing fun or or making fun of those people. Like, there's there's an episode of Family Guy that came out years ago where Stewie... <laughs> Runs around naked in the mall screaming, I just escaped from Kevin Spacey's basement. How? 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 And Seth MacFarlane also joked about Weinstein years ago hosting the Oscars talking about ladies. You don't have to like him anymore. You're successful and all that. So it's like these things were known and tolerated until now. So that, that's one aspect. The other aspect, and you heard it from this Democratic senator... Uh, you you heard her say it that she believes the women and Cuomo asked her point blank what about these Republicans lawmakers that are saying if found true or if the allegations are true then Moore should step down and XYZ and she says that's not a strong enough position from them as if there was going to be a trial or something. Well, here is a very important discussion that I think needs to be had. How powerful should an allegation be in the realm of the world? Right now we're talking about powerful guys running for politics or in Hollywood. or, or But in any case, they're big, powerful men. And I don't think anybody's denying that women or men, whoever's coming up with an, an allegation of sexual misconduct or sexual assault, everybody knows that it's hard to be the victim in that sense. Especially for women, it's hard to come up and be the victim because of a culture that for so long brushed it under the rug or tried to write it off as, you know, that's just that's just the world, that's just how it works. And then victim blaming, victim shaming, they all play a dynamic, and I I get that. They all play a dynamic role in whether women want to come forward or not. There's, you know, some women don't come forward because there's this um there's this unspoken of underlying um shadow of shame that gets cast upon them for being a victim of sexual abuse or misconduct or or what have you. 
But how much should an allegation, how much weight should an allegation carry? We're talking about big men. How much should an allegation carry? And let's not act like allegations haven't been made against people before in an attempt to blackball them or disparage their character. Because it has happened before. How much weight should an allegation carry? And how powerful can it be? And sometimes people say you leave it up to the masses, you know. For something like Roy Moore, doubtful that anything comes up and goes to court. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, nothing's going to come up and go to court that hasn't already come up and gone to court. Kevin Spacey's thing, not going to go to court, not going to be criminally charged, not going to face severe consequences other than losing your career or losing your opportunity into politics or losing movie deals, you know, things like that. But it's made me question, should we just blindly accept allegations and the person making the alleging, they're the ones that deserve the sympathy? Is there a delegate balance? You know, it's it's a hard subject to, to cover. Especially in today's environment. I mean, literally, the Kevin Spacey thing overnight. One allegation and he, his whole career tanked. Of course, the way he responded to it might have factored into that as well. But I'm just saying. So that is going on right now. Now, some things that Trump uh, got me uh, in a bind with, maybe. maybe. Maybe not so much in a bind with, but Donald Trump did some baffling things. Well, he always does baffling things. Let's be honest about it. The thing that got me is that Donald Trump always talks about fake news, fake news, fake people, fake this, I don't believe these people, I don't believe the CIA, I don't believe these reports, I don't believe this person, but Vladimir Putin, well, Vladimir Putin, he believes. Okay, he was asked, uh, he just finished up a a tour of uh, Asia, he's seen Shinzo Abe in in Japan, he's seen uh, China, he's seen South Korea, He's, he's met with a lot of people. Over the past week. And uh, one of the things he was asked. At one of the sidelines of these summits. Where he did he did cross paths with Putin several times. And uh, CNN for instance. Which is fake news. Uh, caught several videos of him shaking hands. And, and palling around with Putin so to speak. Uh, but again. At CNN and it's fake news. So it was probably doctored. You know. Probably. Safe bet. But anyway, he was asked point blank, and um, he he quoted saying, quote, this is Trump now, I'm quoting Trump now, quote, he didn't, or he said he didn't meddle. He said he didn't meddle. I asked him again. You can only ask so many times. That sounds right out of Trump's book. He further goes on to say, quote, every time he sees me, he says, I didn't do that. And I believe him. I really believe that when he tells me that, he means it. I think he's very insulted by it. I believe that he feels that he and Russia did not meddle in the election. As to whether I believe it or not, I am with our agencies, especially as currently constituted with the leadership. I believe that our intel agencies, our intelligence agencies, I work with them very strongly as currently led by fine people. I believe very much in our intelligence agencies, a.k.a. Trump doing more 
of the Trump. Trump doing more of the Trump. How can you say, I believe Vladimir Putin. I believe that he didn't meddle because I asked him and he says he didn't meddle. He didn't do it. But I believe our intelligence agencies that say that there was some amount of meddling in the election from Russia for sure. We all know that. Everybody now knows that Russia did meddling in the election. This isn't a de- this is not a debate about whether they directly colluded with Donald Trump himself and his campaign in order to favor his campaign. It's just a basic question of did they meddle or not? Did they do th- and we know, we have the reports, we have the facts, we have the data that says that Russia did it. You can't carry this stupid walking on eggshells, whatever it is, even if you just like Putin because you want future business endeavors in Russia or you were working on it before your election. You can't have it both ways. I don't understand why Donald Trump doesn't understand that, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I believe Putin, but I believe our intelligence agencies, and obviously I back our intelligence agencies, America first. But Russia ain't so bad. You can't have it both ways. It does not work. It will not work. And it's going to be problematic. Meanwhile, if that wasn't like Trump's statement of the year, Mind you, that's a throwback. I've been listening to my older podcast episodes from last year leading up to the election, immediately following the election, just to see how things have changed between then and now. If I still did Trump's ridiculous statement of the week, that would be like gold star winner right there. The I believe Putin, but I believe our intelligence agencies, which say that Russia meddled, but Putin says he didn't meddle. So, and I believe him when he says that. But I believe our intelligence agencies too. <clears throat> That's like seeing a nuclear bomb go off and saying like, "I don't believe it happened. I saw it happen, but I don't believe it." Whatever. Whatever. So Donald Trump <clears throat> tweeted to Kim Jong Un. This is this is why everybody was you know this is why everybody was against Donald Trump being president. By the way, probably just because of his childish demeanor. <laughs> Not yesterday, but the day before. I want to say what's today. Today is the thirteenth, so this was on the eleventh. So Saturday. Donald Trump tweeted out, quote, Why would Kim Jong-un insult me by calling me old when I would never call him short and fat? Oh, well, I try so hard to be his friend, and maybe someday that will happen. <laughs> what? And furthermore, he was asked about the possibility of becoming friends with North Korea, with the North Korean leader, during a joint news conference in Vietnam, to which he said, quote, Strange things happen in life. That might be a strange thing that happens, but it's certainly a possibility. If that did happen, it would be a good thing for, I can tell you, for North Korea, 
but it would also be good for lots of other places and it would be good for the world. Like, like what? Like what? <laughs> oh my God. He, he, it, it is an assault fest on Twitter. And by the way, speaking of Twitter, I have to say it. I have to say it just because I'm on the thought of Twitter and all that. Um, Twitter has 280 characters now for everybody. It's, it's just everybody has 280 characters. And I absolutely hate it. I absolutely... Twitter was a great platform for these quick little quibs that you had to, you know, you had to really articulate your point in, I think it was 140 characters. It was 140 because they doubled it. 280, 140. So, now Twitter's at 280 characters. And tweets that are 280 characters long look ugly. I know that might be a very petty gripe of mine, maybe. But 280 tweets, 280 character tweets look too long. They look too long, they look ugly, and they should not be a thing that's allowed. Especially when you have the possibility of Donald Trump using all 280 characters. Really, really shouldn't do it. Bad idea. Bad idea all around. So, that's where we stand this week. We stand at, at more sexual allegations going on. Uh, Donald Trump believing Putin, but believing our intelligence agencies, but believing Putin more. Because, hey, we're buddies. We're, we're friends. We're pals. He didn't collude. I asked him if he colluded. He said no. I believe him. Pretty cut and dry. Pretty cut and dry. We had Veterans Day uh, over the weekend, too. And uh, Veterans Day, very important. You know, for example, one of the news stories that came out over Veterans Day weekend was how nearly no football players took a knee, which I'm, I'm sick and tired of that crap. Three people did. Um, whatever. Very, uh, what, whatever. I'm done with the football kneeling crap. I really am. I'm done looking at it. I'm done talking about it. And to do it over Veterans Day weekend, specifically if, if the games were honoring Veterans Day and the police standing for that, then that is even more pathetic than it normally is in my book. Yeah, I guess you still have the right to do it or whatever, but it's still pathetic. Still pathetic, but I don't want to talk about it. I do want to talk about Veterans Day in, in particular, though. I have a deep respect for those people who carry arms for this nation, who put on the uniform of our various branches of armed services, no matter what they are. I know they have their internal bickering and, and fighting and squabbling, which is typical. It's like a family. That's what a family does. The Marines pick on these guys. These guys pick on these guys. Everybody picks on the Air Force because the first thing they do when they build a base is figure out where they're putting the pool. All right? I get it. Everybody pokes fun of and makes fun of everybody else, and it's cool. But the thing is, is that you guys put on the uniforms. I'm talking specifically to you veterans out there. You guys put on the uniforms. You guys lace up the boots. You guys grab the guns. And you go to where you're told. And... Some of you do it with outright bravery, and some of you do it scared. 
Some of you do it, and you have that fear in you. But you don't let it stop you, and you still do it. You do it anyway, because somebody's got to do it. And you're willing to do it. There's a great deal of sacrifice in joining any branch of service of the United States military. We are talking time, energy, life, family. There's a lot to put on the line. And veterans from from all... I mean, obviously, the, the ones that are passed away now is Memorial Day. That honors them. and But veterans from tall to small, recent to historical... We owe them so much. We owe people who take that sacrifice so much. That goes without talking about. It goes without talking about and it goes without debating. You know, debating foreign affairs and what the United States is doing on a military level. The this is where the this is where the Libertarian Party has some failings. And this is why I've never actually been a full-blown libertarian individual. This is why I don't proudly talk about being a libertarian. This is why I don't point people to the party. I point people to the ideals, the ideology, not the party. So... Libertarian Party Vice Chairman Arvin Vora posted on Veterans Day, quote, There is no justification for current U.S. barbaric military policy and the heinous and manipulative recruitment techniques. I will not encourage young men and women to join this abhorrent organization. The mission has been corrupted for the last several decades. To celebrate U.S. military policy is unconscionable. To encourage others to join it is worse. Don't kid yourself. Veterans Day is a tool of U.S. military propaganda. It is part of military recruitment. Today I encourage young men and young women to find other paths. Consider entrepreneurship, independent study, online learning, getting a non-military job or internship. Do anything else. Just do not enlist. And there's this blatant disrespect... From the libertarian heads, as it were. Where they will never appeal to massive amounts of people that they could potentially appeal to. But the way that they approach their messages is so crappy. That it'll never work out. And it's part of the reason why everything that you see is libertarian-ish. Because I want to distance myself from people like that. I understand and I would like massive change in the military and in America's foreign affairs and military stance in the world. Because war is hell and we shouldn't be going off to war and we shouldn't be killing massive amounts of people and we shouldn't be trying to overthrow and instill our government over other people's forms of government. We're not the world's army and we're not the world's liberator. Other people in the world have to do that for themselves. However, that doesn't mean I'm going to come out with messages like that and shit all over everybody who has done more than I have done 
for my country. There's other ways to go about passing that message. The same way that libertarians will always have a hard time appealing to law enforcement people because the name of the game is typically shit on them. Shit on them and talk about how they're evil and corrupt and supporting a corrupt system. And somehow they'll magically be awoken and join us. They won't. (laughs) They won't. And even... In the most reduced government setting, you still have military, you still have law enforcement, you still have these things. So it is what it is. But for Veterans Day, don't allow people like that to shit on you. At all. We might have not made the best military decisions in the past decade or so, or a couple of decades, but... That's why we try to change it on the policy front. (laughs) That's why we try to attack it on the policy front and on the people front and get people more involved and continually trying to shrink that governmental power. That's the right way to do it, not shitting on the people who want to serve their nation. All right, guys. That's going to do it for me. So, thanks for listening. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FritzQS. On the Twitter, it's Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast and FritzCast.wordpress.com for my blog, which will have updates later this week. All right, guys, love you, and I'll see you next week.